0: This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of calcific tendinitis from the shoulder and elbow section on orthobullets.com. Calcification and tendon degeneration near the rotator cuff insertion is associated with subacromial impingement. As far as the epidemiology, calcific tendinitis typically affects patients aged 30 to 60 and is more common in women. With respect to the location, the supraspinatus tendon is most often involved. As far as risk factors, there is an association of calcific tendonitis with endocrine disorders like diabetes and hypothyroidism. With respect to the pathophysiology, there is an unknown etiology of calcific tendonitis. But as far as the pathoanatomy, there are three stages of calcification. Precalcific, which is the fibrocartilaginous metaplasia of the tendon, and clinically this stage is pain-free. The second stage is calcific, which is subdivided into three phases, the formative, resting, and resorptive phase, The formative phase is characterized by cell-mediated calcific deposits, and this phase may or may not be associated with pain. Then the resting phase lacks inflammation or vascular infiltration, and this phase also may or may not be associated with pain. And then finally, the resorptive phase is characterized by a phagocytic resorption and vascular infiltration, and clinically this phase is the most painful. And then the final stage of calcification is the post-calcific phase. With respect to the cellular biochemistry of calcific tendinitis, calcium hydroxyapatite crystals are deposited, and the key molecular pathways involved in this process are the osteopontin pathway, cathepsin-K pathway, and transglutaminase-2 pathway. There are two major classification systems of calcific tendinitis, the Gartner and Heyer classification of calcific tendinitis and the mole classification of calcific tendinitis. The Gartner and Hayer classification of calcific tendinitis has three types associated with it. Type 1 is a well-circumscribed dense calcification in the formative phase. Type 2 is a soft contour slash dense or sharp slash transparent lesion. And type 3 has a translucent and cloudy appearance without clear circumscription and this is in the resorptive phase. The mole classification of calcific tendinitis has four types. Type A is dense and homogeneous with sharp contours. Type B is dense and segmented with sharp contours. Type C is heterogeneous with soft contours. And type D has dystrophic calcifications at the insertion of the rotator cuff tendon. With respect to presentation, the history is similar to the clinical presentation of subacromial impingement. Symptoms include atraumatic pain, which is most severe in the resorptive phase. Catching and crepitus are other possible symptoms, as well as mechanical block. On physical exam, inspection may show a supraspinatus fossa with muscle atrophy. With respect to motion, these patients will likely show a decreased active range of motion, scapular dyskinesia, and may be associated with a decrease in rotator cuff strength. Provocative tests include subacromial impingement signs. With respect to imaging, radiographs to get include an AP, supraspinatus outlet, and axillary views, which all show supraspinatus calcification. An internal rotation view shows infraspinatus and teres minor calcification, and an external rotation view shows subscapularis calcification. Findings include deposits that are usually 1 to 1.5 centimeters from the supraspinatus tendon insertion. It's useful to monitor progression over time and make sure to allow assessment of location, density, extent, and delineation of the deposit. CT is rarely required but may characterize the three-dimensional shoulder anatomy. MRI has limited utility in the diagnosis of calcific tendinitis. However, you can consider it in patients with refractory pain as it can assess for concomitant pathology like rotator cuff tears. On MRI, calcific deposits have low signal intensity on all sequences. Ultrasound may be useful to quantify the extent of the calcification and is also utilized for guidance during needle decompression and injection. Findings of ultrasound include deposits that are hyperechoic. Treatment of calcific tendinitis can be operative or non-operative. Non-operative management includes NSAIDs, physical therapy, stretching and strengthening, as well as steroid injections. This is obviously the first line of treatment for all phases of calcific tendinitis. Steroid injections are commonly used but controversial, and the duration of relief is variable. As far as outcomes of non-operative management, there is resolution of symptoms in 60 to 70% of patients after six months and remember there is increased probability of failure when calcific tendinitis is bilateral or patients have large calcifications. Deposits underlying the anterior third of the acromion is a poor prognostic sign for the success of non-operative treatment, as are deposits extending medial to the acromion. Extracorporeal shockwave therapy is indicated as an adjunct treatment. This is most useful in refractory calcific tendinitis in the formative and resting phases. Modalities include high versus low energy therapy, and as far as outcomes, there are dose-dependent outcomes like high energy is greater than low energy in clinical outcome scores and the rate of calcific deposit resorption. High energy is also greater than low energy in procedural pain and local reaction like ecchymosis. An ultrasound-guided needle lavage versus needle barbitage is indicated for persistent symptomatic calcific tendinitis in the resorptive phase, and as far as outcomes, there are improved outcomes in patients with type 2-3 calcific tendinitis versus type 1. For an ultrasound-guided needle lavage, two needles are used to maintain an outflow system for lavage. A small amount of saline plus or minus anesthetic is injected around the calcification and then aspiration of the calcific material is done with the other needle. The technique for a needle barbitage is that you will use a needle to break up calcium deposit then follow with a corticosteroid injection. Operative management includes surgical decompression of the calcium deposit which is indicated for progression of symptoms that are refractory to non-operative treatments and of course in patients that have interference with activities of daily living. The outcomes for surgical intervention are good in short-term outcome studies, but there are obviously longer return-to-work times with subacromial decompression and or rotator cuff repair. Remember, there's a risk of shoulder stiffness with operative treatment. As far as the approach for a surgical decompression of a calcium deposit, you can do this arthroscopically or with a mini-open approach. You can do this procedure with or without a subacromial decompression or rotator cuff repair. Complications of calcific tendinitis treatment include recurrence, persistent shoulder pain, shoulder stiffness, and iatrogenic injury to the rotator cuff with operative treatment. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, a 45-year-old woman presents for evaluation of right shoulder pain radiographs of the right shoulder are notable for a large calcific deposit. T1 and stir MRI sequences of the right shoulder show large hypointense lesions within the supraspinatus tendon. After six months of conservative treatment, she continues to have pain and is ultimately taken to the OR for right shoulder arthroscopy. Material is debrided from the rotator cuff tissue and sent to pathology. What will pathology most likely reveal and what is the next best step? And the choices are one, calcium hydroxyapatite crystals, rotator cuff debridement, possible repair, and administer intravenous colchicine. 2, calcium hydroxyapatite crystals, rotator cuff debridement, and possible repair. 3, calcium pyrophosphate crystals, rotator cuff debridement, possible repair, and administer intravenous colchicine. 4, calcium pyrophosphate crystals, rotator cuff debridement, and possible repair. And 5. Calcium oxalate crystals, rotator cuff debridement, and possible repair, as well as administer intravenous colchicine. So the correct answer to this question is 2. Calcium hydroxyapatite crystals, rotator cuff debridement, and possible repair. So this patient has calcific tendonitis of the rotator cuff. Pathology is likely to show calcium hydroxyapatite crystal deposits surrounded by fibroblasts, macrophages, giant cells, and lymphocytes. The most appropriate surgical treatment is debridement of the rotator cuff with removal of the calcium deposits. Calcific tendinitis of the rotator cuff results from deposition of calcium hydroxyapatite within the substance of the rotator cuff tissue. Non-operative treatment includes NSAIDs, physical therapy, corticosteroid injections, extracorporeal shockwave therapy, and ultrasound guided needle lavage. Most cases spontaneously improve over time. However, symptoms that persist despite conservative management can be treated with arthroscopic debridement. Subsequent rotator cuff repair is controversial and is based on the integrity of the remaining tissue and extent of the defect. Shui et al. reported a case series of 56 patients with calcific tendinitis of the rotator cuff who underwent arthroscopic rotator cuff debridement without rotator cuff repair. All patients were able to return to previous level of activity and had significant improvement in functional outcome scores. Only 3.7% of cases developed rotator cuff tears over the 7-year follow-up period the authors concluded that arthroscopic debridement of symptomatic calcium deposits without rotator cuff repair is a safe and effective treatment for calcific tendonitis of the rotator cuff. Suzuki et al. reviewed calcific tendonitis of the rotator cuff. Though the exact etiology is unclear, calcific tendonitis of the rotator cuff is thought to be an active cell-mediated process composed of three distinct phases, formative, resting, and resorptive, with the resorptive phase causing the greatest pain. Surgical treatment involves arthroscopic removal of calcific deposits. Further research is required to determine the utility of subacromial decompression and or rotator cuff repair in these patients. Moving on to the next question. A 45-year-old woman has had a 4-month history of mild to moderate lateral shoulder pain that is aggravated with active elevation. Imaging shows a well-circumscribed mass consistent with calcific tendinitis in the formation phase. Initial treatment should include which of the following, and the choices are 1. Moist heat and a stretching program, 2. Attempted calcium aspiration, 3. Extracorporeal shockwave therapy, 4. Low-dose radiation therapy, and 5. Arthroscopic rotator cuff debridement. The correct answer to this question is 1. Moist heat and a stretching program. So pain in the formation phase of calcific tendonitis is not typically as severe as in the resorptive phase and is amenable to non-surgical management. The calcific deposit in this phase is granular, making aspiration difficult to achieve. Extracorporeal shockwave therapy has been studied with numerous protocols of amount of energy and number of treatments. Its role in the treatment of calcific tendonitis is still poorly defined. Low-dose radiation therapy has been successfully applied to calcific tendinitis in the past but is not currently used because of concerns of malignant tissue transformation and success with lower-risk modalities. Arthroscopic debridement of the calcific deposit can be considered in patients who have not responded to non-surgical management. And the final question reads, A patient has shoulder pain and dysfunction. The radiograph shows calcific tendinitis. If this patient undergoes shoulder arthroscopy, which structure is most likely to be abnormal? And the choices are 1, supraspinatus, 2, infraspinatus, 3, glenohumeral articular cartilage, 4, superior labrum, and 5, the long head of the biceps tendon. The correct answer to this question is 1, supraspinatus. So the radiograph shows calcific tendinitis of the supraspinatus tendon. This is the most common structure involved in the disease process. Udhoff describes stages of calcific tendinosis. The, quote, pre calcific stage shows metaplasia of tenocytes into chondrocytes. The, quote, calcific stage has three subparts the formative phase, the resting phase, and the resorptive phase. The, quote, post calcific stage is last. Two types are seen on X ray. Type 1 has a fluffy and fleecy appearance with a poorly defined periphery. This is associated with an acute pain and is usually seen during the formative phase of the calcific stage. Type 2 is characterized by discrete, homogeneous deposits with uniform density and a well-defined periphery. This is seen in subacute and chronic cases. Persistent cases may respond to arthroscopic debridement of the deposits with a shaver or spinal needle. Sahayi et al. describes arthroscopic removal of calcifying deposits involving the tendon alone compared to those with additional osseous involvement. The results were similar in both groups.